says what? The Bible says what? The Bible says what? What does this Bible say? What? Say what? Say what? What does the Bible say? The Bible says what? Here we are. Another episode. I'm singing our intro today, Pastor I'm not Paul. Singing. <laughs> of the Bible says what? I am Pastor John Gibson. And I am Pastor Paul Desay. We are glad to have you here. We we have just a monumental thing has happened, Pastor Paul. We have wrapped up season one of this new podcast. Absolutely. And somebody renewed us for season two. You still know <laughs> yes. <that> is. <laughs> We've been signed for, right. by ourselves. We've been signed by ourselves for season two. But the the good news is, Paul, that we're not the only ones listening. Uh, we're not just listening to ourselves. Uh, we are so thankful for all of you that uh, the over a thousand plays. So we we obviously have people who are listening, and I'm so excited about that. I'm grateful that you uh, listeners find this beneficial and helpful in some way, or that keeps you coming back. And so Pastor Paul and I are so grateful for that. And it's really has been our heartbeat for this whole thing is to navigate tough questions of the Bible with regular ordinary people who wonder what the heck is going on just like we do. So yeah, so we're, we have wrapped up season one. We're heading towards season two. We thought we'd kind of take a little breath here in the middle um, to do two things. Number one, uh, I know we need questions. So we would love for all of you that are listening out there that are, are subscribers. By the way, if you're not subscribed, click that little subscribe button. Tell people around you, neighbors, complete strangers at Kroger about the wonderful conversations that are happening on The Bible Says What. But we'd love to have your questions, right, Paul? Absolutely. Send us your questions. So in the show notes today, you can send questions to us. I'll have a little link there um, to our email, um, or you can send them directly to us. Do we say our emails on here? I guess we're not so famous that we're going to get like inundated with emails from people. My email you is pastorjohn at elivinghope.com. You can send them to me or pastorpaul at sandyhook.org. Uh, you can send them to him as well. Um, but we would love to have new questions, new content to be able to talk about. Because we, we have questions, and we can just pull questions you know, out of the air. But we would sure love to hear from you, listener. Um, maybe something that has been going on in your heart and mind for a long time or whatever. And we'd love to talk about that. So take a second to give us your questions. But in the meantime, we thought we'd talk about something that is near and dear to our hearts. I know, Pastor Paul, you have taught me so much. Um, as I've learned from you over the years with the Lord's Prayer. We're going to have a few conversations here and use this this episode as kind of an introduction to the Lord's Prayer and our feelings on it and what it's all about. It's a big part of the Bible. It's a, Jesus says to pray like this. He tells his followers. It gives them kind of a format to pray. Um, if you don't know the Lord's Prayer, uh, it is our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name or holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, weird, but deliver us from evil or the great testing. Uh, for yours is the kingdom, the glory, the power forever and ever. Amen. Hey. Whoa, you did it, man. You did what? it. There was so much pressure. Can a pastor say the Lord's It's prayer? funny. It's funny you said that. I have like the traditional Lord's Prayer memorized. So when you said, forgive us our sins, I was like, that's not right. Trespasses. Trespasses. <laughs> That's fun. I love this. Yeah, it's so good. And I have it in my head too, but I've over the years have like, I don't want to say Hallowed anymore. Like, what who says Hallowed? Wow. Now that's a Hallowed person. <laughs> the 
the Lord is extra hallowed today. Like, no. So anyway, yeah. So we're going to talk about that today. And I thought, Pastor Paul, just to kind of get us going here, I would read a little quote because I want to kind of talk about just, we talk about this often, a 30,000 foot view, the introduction to the Lord's Prayer. What does it mean to you? What does it mean to me? How have we... Uh, you know, um, interacted with it over the years, teaching it and learning from it. But I thought this quote I, I happened upon by Jonathan Edwards um, could kind of launch our conversation because I noticed something about the Lord's Prayer that I think is interesting that is contrary to something in this text, and I wanted to just kind of use it as a launching point. So here it is, a quote from Jonathan Edwards that says this, the way to heaven is ascending. So from here going up to there, the way to heaven is ascending. We must be content to travel uphill, though it be hard and tiresome and contrary to the natural bias of our flesh. A quote by Jonathan Edwards. So first reactions to the quote, and again, in context of the Lord's Prayer, what do you think about that? Again, I noticed this trajectory thing, down here to up there, heaven, but the Lord's Prayer kind of seems different than that. Yeah, yeah, Jonathan Edwards, uh, classic revivalist preacher, famous dude, right? Uh, Sinners in the hand of an angry God. And so, yeah, when you hear that quote, you hear uh, ascending, and the Lord's Prayer is about God's kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, descending. So we do have opposite frameworks. And to be honest with you, I think when I got started in the church and reading the backwards, I made the assumption that everything was ascending. The point, the goal was to get to heaven. What do you think, yeah. man? Yeah, that, I mean, when you think of the word heaven, heaven is somewhere, uh, you know, your, our assumption is heaven is not here, <laughs> right? I don't know what you think of when you think of the word heaven. Uh, clouds come to mind or golden streets or, you know, nice big tables full of great, you know, smoked pulled pork and all kinds of mansions and things. I don't know. It's not here. It's up. You know, heaven is somewhere we're going. I think a lot of times I hear from people and I look, and to be honest, you look around the world and you say, well, this isn't heaven. Um, hopefully heaven will be better than what we're living in right now. And someday we'll go there. But this, this is kind of one of those radical moments. And I think it was probably shocking to Jesus's disciples too. <laughs> they had been praying a lot about, you know, um, what, well, I know for Jewish people, heaven was a different understanding altogether than our Western view even of heaven. Um, but it was radical for them as well to pray this way, this this movement of God coming into our midst where we are, as opposed to us going to where God is. You know, kind of, I don't know, for me too, a lot of our faith journeys kind of live in the realm of I got to get myself to where God is, you know? I got to get myself fixed up. I got to get rid of my sin. I got to get cleaned up so that I can be where God is or be in heaven or whatever the case may be. But but a lot of times when I encounter Jesus, uh, the opposite is true. He's pursuing me, right? He's entering into my, I mean, just the very act of God sending a part of himself into the world. It says, where is that? And Jesus moved into our neighborhood. Uh, First, uh, John chapter one, verse 14. Thank you, John 1, 14. God put on flesh, you know, it's this kingdom trajectory of downward motion. That's a pretty radical view. Yeah, I mean, you think about it. This is the way 
that Jesus approached his entire ministry was this sending. The Father sent him. He sends the disciples. He sends the Spirit. It's this con constant movement downward, right? And even Jesus' life was very much descending. He descended and died a horrible death uh, on the cross. It's very, it's very, very much his trajectory was a downward slope. And that's the idea of agape love, sacrificial love. It's uh, dying to yourself. It's dying on behalf of others. And so Jesus demonstrates that and desires for us to demonstrate that in do so doing, bringing his kingdom right where we are. Now, I like the sound of that, Paul, but let's talk about that. The idea of descending <laughs> or, you know, so if the movement of God is from heaven to us and then he calls us to you know, love in that same way. And we, I just talked about John chapter 15 this past Sunday, you know, where Jesus says to a greater man has no, no love, greater love is no man than this to lay down his life for another, right? To love as I have loved you. So there's always this, God wants us to kind of reflect the same thing he's doing for us. And yet I look in our churches and uh, oftentimes in my faith journey, and I, I want to ascend, <laughs> You know, d descending movement in my faith, like going to places of darkness in the world, kind of repeating what God has done in the world, it's not necessarily an easy or popular sort of thing. I mean, even a lot of our rituals and rhythms in the church don't necessarily, it's about coming, coming to God as opposed to going into the world. I don't know. It's interesting to me how that's changed over the years, even how our worship has become uh, the wrong direction, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, think about just the purpose of prayer, right? The purpose of prayer, if you ask most people, well, here, let me do it now. John, yeah. what's the purpose of prayer? What's the purpose of prayer? I'm going to answer why not do like a pray? pastor. Okay. We, just... pr <laughs> we pray so God can uh, forgive me. So God can give me the things that I need. God can help the people that I want him to help. You know, those are all things that I hear from folks. And I often, and to be honest, that I think about when I pray. I mean, it, the the content of my prayers oftentimes reveals what I believe about prayer, right? Absolutely. Uh, which is kind of hard to think about, but. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I would be honest and say that. Uh, that has been the way I've thought of prayer for, you know, most of my entire life. And it wasn't until um, this kingdom theology began to really, really enter into my heart that I began to see that maybe those purposes of prayer are good, but there is a primary purpose or a greater purpose of prayer. And so here, here's my thought on this. The primary purpose of prayer isn't to get God to give me what I want or to do what I want. He's not a Santa Claus, right? The primary purpose of a prayer is to be formed in the image of Jesus. And so I think prayer for the most part is really about spiritual formation to transform us into these type of people that will lay down our lives for one another, that will uh, descend instead of ascend, will partner with Jesus in uh, his kingdom work. And uh, so the more that we pray the Lord's Prayer with an open mind and open heart, the more that he transforms us into those descending type of people. That's my thoughts. Prayer, is, prayer is formational. I love that. You know, and again, a really, I think, a challenging, as, a challenging view as we talk about the Lord's Prayer, obviously, specifically, it, 
you know, it becomes a pattern for us to to learn how to do life as Jesus calls us to do it. But I, I think that's kind of an interesting idea and, and not held by a whole lot of people. That prayer is, like you said, something that we, we do to get as opposed to something we do to be formed. I love that idea, you know, how prayer forms me. If, if So that's the true. How... <laughs> It reveals a lot about what we believe about prayer and how we do it in the church, too. You know, gosh, this is challenging to me as a pastor. Jesus tells us to pray like this. Are we allowing this to form us as the people of God? You know, I feel convicted just right now thinking about how often do we do the Lord's Prayer in our services? What What is the context of prayer? If it is truly formational, are we doing it? Are we praying in a formational way in our services to, you know— Gosh, that's a challenging thing. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, hey, so we both were raised or grew up in the Nazarene church, which is not the most liturgical church in the world. Right. And so when I first started into the church, went through training, there was kind of almost a anti-liturgy type of thing, right? So the idea of spontaneity. Now, I love spontaneity, but I think that there is something powerful about liturgy. In fact, if you would look at the book of Acts in the early church, they practiced what um, uh, Luke would say is the prayers. They prayed the prayers. Mm. Oftentimes our Bible translations just saw that they were praying. But the, the literal Greek talks about praying the prayers. So what were the prayers that they are praying? Well, I mean, for history tells us that the Psalms were the heart of the Jewish people. Jesus would have prayed the Psalms. It was liturgy. They repeated these over and over and over again, and they were formed by these words. And then the early church um, uh, prayed the Lord's Prayer three times a day, every day. And so these prayers that they prayed were the Psalms and the Lord's Prayer. That's what history tells us. And so you look at the early church, they were being formed by the prayers that they were praying. In other words, the words matter. Uh, and so I, I remember Brian Zond, who is a great author and and speaker, and he he said something that uh, selfish people pray selfish prayers, angry people pray angry prayers, and I thought it started to think about that makes a lot of sense, right? Because you look at our prayer life, oftentimes we treat God like Santa Claus, right? Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. That reflects our selfishness. But if we pray prayers like the Psalms and the Lord's Prayer, and we allow that to form us, then we begin to pray those prayers of dissension you know, descending, love your neighbor as yourself, love the way that Jesus loved. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It for, I think it, what it does is it forms us and moves us away from self and towards, like it's, you know, putting something else at the center of our universe other than self, you know, mm -hmm. and it gives us a kind of a, oh, almost like a, a recipe comes to mind, you know, a recipe for living the way God has called us to live. I, I happened upon a book, Paul, because uh, I've been really diving into this, kind of liturgical stuff. It's not a part, like, as you said, it's not a part of my upbringing. Um, even in my own personal practice, it hasn't, you know, we do it in my church. We, we have moments of, and seasons of this where it's a little bit more of a focus than other times. But I happened on this book, a new author that I found, uh, Paul, his name is Robert Benson, a little plug for him. He wrote a book called Living Prayer that just has, has challenged my thinking about my prayer life. But he put together, this is the book of common prayer that he kind of compiled in, modern language and kind of helps people learn to live in the rhythm of 
the Book of Common Prayer, right? So, which is um, steeped in church tradition and a lot of, um, it, it just kind of takes you through the the office of prayer. So morning, afternoon, evening, you know, the, the vespers and those things, the different remembrances and canticles. And I'm some, that's the Psalter. It's, but it's interesting to me because it's really um, giving me an entry point into this world of formational prayer. Whereas we begin with the Lord's prayer, but then it begins to show us this, this way of being where we're connected not only to God, not only to who he is and what he's doing in the world, but we're also connected to one another. So I'm, I'm praying prayers from the Psalms that were people were lifting up thousands of years ago. It connects me to them. It connects me to you, Paul. And that's a really other cool thing when we're praying the Lord's Prayer together and things like that, that it connects us together, you know, as I pray and you pray together, even in like Columbus, Indiana and Centerville, Ohio, we are we are being formed together by these same powerful words that ground us into good theology right now. And what we mean by theology is that our knowledge of God, who God is. And Jesus is in these few little sentences in the Lord's Prayer, is this dropping into our lives who he is and how he works and who he wants us to be. And I love that about the Lord's Prayer. And I think it needs to enter into our lives more in this kind of patterned way that draws us into being shaped and formed. I just love that idea. Yeah. You know, yeah. why don't so we good. chat? Let's, what if we dove in just a little bit? Because we were talking about this descending kind of thing. Let's talk about this original, this opening statement idea, because I'd love to hear you talk about how this shows up in you as a pastor and in your church. I know one of your phrases, wherever church you go, it's, you know, uh, Columbus, Indiana is in heaven, or how do you say it? Or in Muncie as in heaven, all the churches you've yeah, been yeah, to, yeah. Right. you know, kind of forms your missional uh, language as the church. But this opening part of the prayer is we recognize that God is holy, right? Our Father who art in heaven, we recognize he is there. Uh, holy is your name. We begin with the holiness of God. It draws us to remember that he is other than us. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it's this, almost this invitation that orients our hearts to this reality that at the very beginning, God is holy and he wants to bring his holiness into our world and into our lives. And that's kind of our starting point. Let's talk yeah. about that. Like, what yeah, does that yeah. mean for our, our lives, our churches, our thinking, you know? Well, I think first for me, when I hear those phrases, I'm reminded that the Lord's Prayer is uh, a gift. It's a gift given from Jesus to his disciples. It's a gift of love. Just like John the Baptist had his prayers that he taught his peeps. Jesus gives his, his disciples, peeps. right? So, so, so Jesus is giving me this prayer and he's giving all of us this prayer. It's our father, not my father, right? It's our father. So he's, he's giving all of us this prayer because he desires to shape and form all of us. And he reminds us from the very beginning, what the whole deal is about from the very beginning of Genesis, all the way to the revelation chapter 20. Uh, too, is this idea that God is redeeming all things. And so his intention in the beginning will come true and in the end. And so what Jesus does, he comes and says, hey, repent and hear the good news. The kingdom of God is at hand. The Lord's prayer is a reminder of that great news. The Lord's prayer is a reminder that Jesus has showed up. He's bringing his kingdom and he invites us to be kingdom participants 
bringing about a new creation. His kingdom is breaking loose on earth, and one day it'll be finished. And so even in the Lord's Prayer, we get a picture of the story of God. We get a picture of the gospel. It's such a great reminder of what Jesus is up to and how he desires for us to be participants. So John, he gives you the Lord's Prayer as a gift to remind you what your life's mission is all about. And when I don't open that gift, <laughs> there are absolute consequences, right? I mean, I see this in the way we see the world, and I say we as in followers of Jesus in the world, churchgoers. When we, when we move away from the presence of the Lord's Prayer, you know, whatever you think about it, it's, it was pretty important. You know, G, when Jesus gave us this gift, when he gave the disciples this gift, before he said that, he said, when you pray, pray like this right? Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure that's exactly how it goes. Jesus says to his disciples, when you pray, pray like this. He doesn't say pray like this every once in a while. Hey, fit this in every once in a while to think about this, right? He says, when you pray, pray like this. Yeah. And I think that's important because it invites, because again, it orients us to how, how so often if I just start to pray, it's almost you know, kind of in my human DNA to start with self. And this forces me to, to start another way. And it's, it's not so, I mean, I guess that's why, because I think there is a problem in the church. There's a problem in uh, the world today with people of faith, because we've gotten away often from seeing the world through this starting lens, right? Where everything about our faith begins with God is coming to make all things new. Yeah. And when we get away from that, we got problems, you know, church becomes something else and the mission of God becomes something we like hijack it and make it what we want it to be. That's a big problem, I think, in the world. Yeah. For many of us, we can't imagine what God's kingdom coming here will look like. And so for a certain degree, we've lost the imagination, the kingdom imagination to even imagine mm -hmm. what would Centerville, Ohio look like if heaven invaded earth? What would Columbus, Indiana, or wherever you live, what would it look like? And so if we can't imagine what no more pain, no more death, no more tears looks like, if we can't imagine people being fed and we can't imagine for uh, hurting people being comforted, if we can't imagine then, then we can't see ourselves participating in it. But you see, the Lord's Prayer is it expands our imagination. It forces our brains to think beyond uh, escaping to heaven. It forces our brains to to see what God's up to right where we are right now. And that's cool. I, I love that. We pray the prayer uh, at, on, on every Sunday here at Sandy Hook. We pray it at the end of our kind of pastoral prayer time. We kind of close our pastoral prayer time by praying that. And as a family, we pray the Lord's Prayer at night before we go to bed. And that's kind of one of our one of our things, instead of lay me down to sleep kind of thing, we pray the yeah. Lord's Prayer together. And so I hope, you know, I hope it's making a difference. I mean, it's not one of those things you see immediately, but you hope as you pray it for your entire life uh, that you're growing more into a kingdom person uh, and less of a selfish person. So here's a question for you. How do you keep from having the Lord's Prayer become um, just going through the motions? 
you know, something yep. we memorize. I mean, I, you start saying it in church and people just start to say it like it's almost like, you know, automatons and it just, just starts to come out of people's mouths. And then you have people like you, Pastor Paul, and it's not holy, it's hallowed and it's not sin. It's tre- we have this m- great mixing chorus of trespasses and sins and all this kind of stuff. But how do we keep it from being something that is just routine? You know, have you, have you ever thought about that much? Any, any kind of yeah. creative wisdom for someone, maybe our listeners out there who think, yeah, this is really cool. I love what the Lord, Lord's Prayer says. I want to say it, but I want to, I want to be a part of it and not have it be just motions, you know, going through the motions. Yeah. I, uh, first, first off, first thing comes to mind. I, I think the Lord's Prayer often gets uh, dissected as a model, right? Let's not let the Lord's Prayer be a model first. Let's be it be a prayer. And and by praying it, we have to trust that the Spirit is doing what the Spirit does, right? Teaches us, equips us, transforms us, convicts us. Uh, whether or not we have let it just become a boring routine or not. And so part of it's faith. Faith, I'm going to pray this prayer because you gave it to me as a gift. And by doing it, whether it's forced or wholehearted, that the spirit is going to do what I can't do. So that, that's the first thing I think of is just as trust God with it. Uh, the second thing to do with it, I think as the church, I think what we need to do is we need to teach on it regularly. You know, we do a sermon series, you know, I, I always, it's one of my first sermon series when I moved to a new church is I do the Lord's prayer because it's formational for me, but I don't think it just needs to be a one-time deal. I think the Lord's prayer could be in, you know, every couple of years thing or part of membership uh, classes or uh, just an all church thing. Um, I just think it's that important that we go back to it over and over and over again. And as many times as I taught on the Lord's Prayer, I, every time I see something brand new, it's so beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. It's something that we need to return to. I think it's something too that I've learned here recently that it it needs to enter into my personal practice as well. You know, it is a communal prayer, but it's also communal in, in respect to when I say it, I'm connecting myself to others who are also saying it. You know, one of the things I love about the Book of Common Prayer is that there's these times of the day that I pray, you know, morning, midday, evening, and then uh, late night before bed. And when I follow that routine, I, I'm connected to the idea that there are other followers of Jesus who are entering in in those same times of the day, saying those same prayers, the same psalms with me. But it, but it had to enter my personal practice, you know, and there's something about the Lord's Prayer too that, and, and I found too in my, in my own personal practice that it's different for me too when I say it out loud, you know, when I'm going through my prayers and then I speak the Lord's Prayer, the, something changes for me. Um, I know it's just kind of a, my own personal kind of thinking on it and experience with it. That when I speak it out loud, it, it does, it moves in a different way through my spirit, you know, and even there's times when I'm praying through it to where I stop and it just connects even just more deeply to my spirit, whatever that is, you know, give it, give me this day or give us this day, our daily bread. It's this idea of provision, you know, recognizing that right here, right now, God, give me everything that I need. Uh, to do what you've called me to do, you know, and sometimes in my life, I need to hear that specifically. And I find myself as I pray those in personal practice, I, God, through his spirit, as you said, will just poke my heart in little moments and say, John, this today, (laughs) especially is true, you know? So I think that it's a call for in our church kind of liturgy, but also in our, and, and even in the, I mean, I think 
and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm doing a little history thing. The, the, the place of, of prayers was that people came to church at those times of the day and prayed together like in the rhythm. So they would come in the morning and pray together. They'd come in midday and eat and vespers and all those kind of things. And then in the, the industrial revolution kind of happened and everybody kind of scattered and was working. That's what, that's why the book of common prayer was kind of formed so that people who couldn't come to church could be united in prayer together wherever they were, which I think is a really cool, you know, kind of innovation in the day, but it's something that um, I wish we as the church would grab hold of a little more deeply. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, uh, I think that's a great opportunity for the church. In fact, if you go to a monastery, uh, there's a monastery in Louisville uh, called the Trappist uh, Monastery, uh, Abbey of Gethsemane, right? Uh, it's right outside of Louisville. And uh, they go through and pray. They gather, all the monks get together and they pray the, the, all of those six prayer times uh, every day and in the middle of the night and all these things. And they go through the motions and they invite you, if you want to, to go and participate. It's, it's such a moving time. And I know a lot of people who are really captivated by the hours, praying the hours, you know, and I think that's a great opportunity for us as, as Christians is to recognize the presence of God in our lives by being intentional. Uh, God's with us always being, being intentional by having several prayer times each day to thank God, you know, and the Lord's prayer is a great reminder of that. Intentional was a word I kind of stuck out of my head as you said that you know and again connected to jesus it says when you pray pray like this and taking it's this intention of saying god form me shape me by this this beautiful prayer you know hey john do you like legos do i like legos yeah i like legos my kids love well see the problem is i'm a dad of three girls so my experience i love legos until legos turn pink <laughs> My my Lego experience has changed. I have Barbie Legos and all this kind of stuff. But I do. They're slowly coming my way with Star Wars and stuff, you know. So yes, I like Legos. Awesome. To answer your question, <laughs> so a little Bible nugget here that I think is pretty cool is the word when when we ask Jesus teach us to pray, and He says, "When you pray, say this." And that word "say" is the word Lego, uh, which is really interesting because hmm. Legos. What do Legos do? They they build something, right? And so the Lord's Prayer, as we say it, we are being built into the person that God desires us to be. Uh, this kingdom of God is being built in us. So that word say, the word Lego, is just a reminder. I know it's not necessarily the most theological concept. So good. <laughs> but for me, it's helpful because it is, I'm being assembled as I mm. pray this prayer. And ultimately, that's what I believe the primary purpose of prayer is, is to be formed, to be assembled, to be the person, the people of God, uh, so that we're able to be the light to the world, the salt to the earth, and, and participate in his mission. And I want to be assembled in the right way. You know, I don't want to mess around and, and treat God like Santa Claus. I want to treat God the way I've been taught by Jesus to treat God as holy and his kingdom is coming and and to be dependent on his provision you know and so if we live the way of the lord's prayer we embody those words um i, I do believe it'll make a difference uh in our own spiritual lives as well as in our relationships around us lego i love that. that's so cool i'm stealing that by the way thank you pastor paul for uh, nuggets of truth for my upcoming sermons at living hope church but i love uh, what connected me when you said that to be assembled to be built up is the, the the also is the the inverse of that is when we're not being formed 
by the Lord's Prayer, when we're not becoming the people of God. Because the purpose of the Lord's Prayer is to assemble us so that the world might see what the kingdom of God looks like, right? That's the power of this prayer is it forms us, the world around us, that also needs assembled. It's like a big pile of Legos laying out there that needs to discover like the little you know, sheet that tells you step one through 16,000, you know, of how to get to the, the final picture. That's really what the kingdom is meant to be. But if, if all our churches and all our people are not being assembled the way they should, they, the world has no, you know, no instructions. It, it can't, it's not seeing a proper view of what the kingdom of God looks like. Or we got the, we got the, you know, the front of the starship on the back, you know, and everything looks goofy if we're not formed the right way, you know, and God help us to enter in again. And it's, that's why this is so important. What a great conversation over the next few episodes here about the Lord's Prayer. I think what we're going to do, Paul, is, right, is we're going to walk through each section and kind of just unpack it, not as a method, but as a prayer, but kind of open our imaginations to what the kingdom of God might look like for us so that the world might see what, king, what kingdom living looks like, what heaven on earth could look like. Amen, man. Sounds exciting. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to digging into the Lord's Prayer with you verse by verse by verse. Doing a right. little Lego work. Lego. I love that. It's so cool. So get your Legos. Join us on our next episode. We're going to talk about that kind of first phrase. Um, and we're just excited about it to journey with you. We'd love for you to give us some more questions as well on the Bible Says What. So we have lots of content, lots of fodder, lots of exciting uh, things to engage our minds and spirits with. But uh, for now, thanks so much for listening today. Again, my name is Pastor John. I'm Pastor Paul. And this has been The Bible Says What. God bless you this week. Grace and peace. The Bible says what? The Bible says what? The Bible says what? What does this Bible say? What? Say what? Say what? What does the Bible say? The Bible says what?